this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bell Ringer. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is Peter Bittorf, the plant manager at General Mills right here in Buffalo, New York. We talk about a bunch of important things, including food production in the middle of a pandemic, what it means to lead a team of essential workers, and maybe most importantly, why downtown Buffalo smells like Cheerios. Peter is a newer resident to Buffalo. He moved here just over a year ago and a great addition. Thanks to him and thanks to you for listening. So tell our listeners a bit about your company and your role with General Mills. Sure, yeah, so General Mills um, is well known for different food manufacturing throughout the, throughout the world, really. So our, um, our purpose or our mission is ser- serving food or making food that the world needs and loves and needs at this point. So my role is the plant manager in Buffalo, New York, one of the different factories across the country. So what we make out of the Buffalo facility is cereal and then also uh, bakery flour, so food service flour. And you recently relocated here for the opportunity, correct? Yeah, correct, Greg. So uh, it was about a year ago that my family and I moved out here. I uh, was working for a different company for, from 2017 to 2019, another food company. And then prior to that, I was working for General Mills over at the Cedar Rapids location. So I've got some background. I guess you'd call me a, a boomerang of sorts back into the company. It's great to be back. Um, couldn't have asked for a, a better team or a location. I mean, I, I've said this a few different times to, to different folks. It was actually in my opening you're coming into the plant you like to give a like an opening talk and one of the things that i really reinforced because even just being here i think it was about a week at that point it was a lot of discussion on how much the pride the city has in general mills and then all the pride that the plant has in the city and that that continues to show through in yeah the 12 to 13 months that i've been here and even probably even more so in this pandemic frankly right and before we Hit record. We were even, you know, talking about a couple local organizations and how you've ingrained yourself in the community and already started to support some of those people. So, how has the transition been? I mean, I know you talked about it in your, you know, first speech to the plant a weekend, but how about now, 12, 13 months in? Yeah. So I, I would. Um, it's been an interesting year, right? Like, there's been a lot of different things that have happened. Um, probably most notably that continues to go on is the, the COVID pandemic. Um, but we have, what we really tried to do is make sure we're taking care of our people first and foremost. So with everything that's been going on in the world, the main thing that we've been focusing on is putting in place different preventative measures. I think that we've been fortunate enough to be early adopters on some of those. Um, not, not saying that we were perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but we we saw what was going on and really tried to do the right thing by our folks. So whether it be masks or putting up physical barriers or staggering shift start times to the ongoing temperature checks that we have as people enter the, the facility, all those things became such a critical part of um, really the, the last six months. Before that, it was, it was really just, when I, I've done these types of jobs a couple different times before, 
And really what it's all about is getting to know your people and the team. Um, as I have new members of the support team come in, a lot of the discussion falls into like, well, how do I be successful in these? And it's all about getting to know the, the team and the people. And so, um, you know, frankly, even a year in, there's still things that that's what I'm focusing on. Like how, how can we better support folks either in normal times and then even more so during the, the pandemic times. So um, a lot of the focus is also on transparency and communication. I think is you look at just the onslaught of media that you get day to day, what we try to do is provide the, the insights that not report the news to people, but make sure they understand how this could potentially impact us at the, at the plant level. And that goes back to a lot of the different preventative measures that we have in place. Yeah. And um, that kind of leads well into my next question. You know, you talk about the, the strength of the people that you have working at the plant through the last six months of the pandemic. Um, you know, one of the unsung often unsung heroes are those in food packaging, food processing that have kept supply chain steady. And you guys are obviously a key part of that. You talked about, you know, mass social distancing, some of those preventative measures you put in um, and even relaying news, but what was the process like to get to that point throughout those six months and probably early in, in March and April? Yeah. So there's, um, we're fortunate enough to have um, some really good people just from a corporation perspective that provide different insights and ensure that we're doing the right things um, in terms of pre uh, protecting our people. To get to that point, it was, I, I wouldn't say it was trial and error. It was just making sure that we're understanding, and it was almost, it really, well, not almost, it really was on a day-by-day -day basis as things were changing. Um, taking some of that information in that was happening across the country and in the community and making sure that we were applying that appropriately to our facility. Um, you know, more specifically to Buffalo, the more we, we pre presented some of these ideas and the ways that we were going to go about it, I would say a lot more thoughts and ideas were coming back from our broader plant population. So we were doing daily meetings with the, um, at first it was the leadership team then it's like well god let's in, let's include the the production team some of our key key leaders from that side as well and you know you hear the concept of crowdsourcing it was almost like a crowdsourcing type thing where um i mentioned the shift start times being staggered that was an idea that was generated through those discussions with the broader plant population so um you think back to that april may time frame which there was an element of I'd say anxiety. There was also excitement almost, which is probably the wrong word, but there was like, this is changing and evolving every day that there was just a lot of um, uncertainty. So really trying to capitalize on understanding where people were at, meeting them at that point, and then putting in place the things that are going to make them safe. Like I said, do, do I think um, everything we, we did was absolutely ticked and tied? No. Do I think that everybody out there knew exactly what to do at every turn. No, that was, that was kind of the beauty of making sure that we were including as many people as possible in terms of, you know, if you're out doing different jobs, what may be the risks that are inherent to those jobs? So really understanding where people were at with that. Um, so probably put more simply, it was, it was engaging the broader workforce. When I talk about um, making sure that we know our people and we're protecting them, a lot of that came down to like, 
what are you concerned about right now? Are there certain things that we have to get after around that? Um, there's probably more specifics that I, I won't get into, but the, the broader swaths, like the things that I've mentioned were really well received. And I think that that comes down to making sure that we were including the right people when some of those decisions were being rolled out. So, I mean, even today, I'm sitting down with a couple of our um, production team, our leaders from the production team, kind of thinking through, okay, so are there certain things that we need to be doing differently? Um, do we need to get more stringent in this area? And that just comes with, as you've been doing this for so long, like you go from April to now we're in October, this has been a long race, right? So like things, things have kind of come and gone. Um, you know, luckily for us in Western New York, I knock on wood, it's been relatively quiet here recently. So um, with kids going back to school, that presents a different risk when you just think about broader communities. So um, taking some of the lessons learned, I think that we see from different areas and making sure that we're applying those appropriately at the plant level has been super important. But then to make that happen the right way is through the through all the people that it's going to be impacting. Yeah, and that, that touches directly on my next question. I was going to ask, you know, projecting forward, what does the next six months look like as you do business? And it sounds like those conversations are continuing to happen and you're, you know, continuing to include people in that thought process. Yeah, it's, it's been, um, so it's like, like I said, it's funny cause I was talking to somebody, um, right before our, um, this, this podcast and he goes, it just, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's not as much day by day now, which is great, right? But there's still a level of monotony that it seems like month over month things change. So one of the words, and it was actually Governor Cuomo that brought it up, but people have really rallied behind it, I think, is vigilance. So because it can be so monotonous, you get there's points where you can feel like things are starting to wane a little bit. Um, so what we've been trying to do is recreate, like you don't wanna get back into that chaotic state of the March, April timeframe, but just remembering some of the adrenaline that was running at that point and how we were so hyper vigilant. Let's make sure that we're not letting our guard down too much because um, you know, over the six, the next six months, who knows what's gonna happen, right, Greg? Like there's, there's a lot of different things that, um, that could absolutely impact us. We just wanna make sure that, that we're prepared we're keeping as many as much transparency and open lines of communication so that if people are identifying different things they're they're bringing that forward so that's you know the the other thing that has come up is that's difficult as i talk about communication is you, you, you can't have meetings like you can't sit down with people and talk to in from a at a plant location it's easy for you and i to talk virtually but it's little bit more difficult in a tried and true manufacturing location to have everybody on like a screen like this so that's the other thing that over the next six months i think we'll continue to try to dial in with our team here at the plant is like what's the best way to get this communication out there is it email um is it more just the tried and true bulletin boards that we've used before because we were more prone to using more in-person communication which right now is not the not the safest way to do things you touched on that vigilance and even outside of the confines of the last six months of a pandemic, you know, something we hear a lot is the strength and work ethic of the, the workforce in Western New York. To what extent um, do you see that as a strength for your organization, having been here 13 months and, and having that, um, having that experience with it? 
um, I don't think I could have asked for a better team to work with. Like it's, it's been just unbelievable. The, the grit and determination that comes into this, you know, what still has to be first and foremost is the safety and that's human safety. That's food safety. That's everything that goes into that. Um, but, but this team has just a, such a high degree of um, loyalty and understands how important what we're doing is. And it, that mission became super clear in call it like late spring, early summer when more and more people were eating at home and it's like, well, this is guys like, this is the stuff that people need right now it's these non-perishable items that they're going to be taking home and really using for sustenances who knows how long the quarantine period is going to be going on so um, that rallied us even more but with or without that this plant has a lot of multi-generational um, a lot of multi-generational employees so i was just talking to an 18 year old employee and i think it was actually his grandfather that worked here his his dad and uncle still work here i was just um talking to him about a few different things before I got on with you too. And you think about that and you think about um, that individual and the ones that came before him, like we, there's a lot of, um, a lot of pride in making sure that this thing continues on for 50, 60, 80, hundred years. So with that work ethic comes like a, a real, uh, a real outcome, which is we're paying it forward to the next generation. And being a guy that's only been here for 13 months um, by no means, my saying that I have all that figured out, but I do know the importance that a lot of our workforce puts in making sure that this is there for the generations to come. So it's an important plant for a lot of different reasons. I'd say primarily you want to, where, where I said is we always just want to make sure it's in a better spot for the next group that comes into it. So that the work ethic plays directly into what we're, we're thinking about in terms of what's next. And you know, you moved here a year ago, so you're kind of getting a crash course in Buffalo. But at the top of our conversation, you talked about, um, you know, how important General Mills is to Buffalo and how important Buffalo is to General Mills. I mean, there if you walk around downtown, you'll see T-shirts that say, my city smells like Cheerios. Um, what does it mean to you to kind of represent a, a Buffalo icon in some ways and even your location right down on the waterfront that's been totally redeveloped. And I'm sure you see a lot more kayakers out than maybe even 13 months ago. So what does that kind of symbolism mean to you? Yeah. And um, so, so what I would say first and foremost, is it's kind of humbling, right? Like this is a pretty, until you get out here and you really understand, um, like I said, that pride factor, it, it doesn't hit you, but um but I, iconic, I think, is a really interesting and, and kind of cool word, the way you put that there, Greg. So when I think about that, there's a lot of, um, a lot of the different t-shirts that you see. One of the things that I think adds to that, that we weren't able to do a company picnic this year. And so we did the mural. And so that's maybe not as accessible now with some of the different bridge closures, but that whole mural was really to, a nod towards knowing that um, even though we couldn't do some of the things we wanted to do with our people, this is still a super important place for the community for what uh, the different employees are doing. So that mural is to kind of a nod towards both the community and our, our workforce. Um, it, it's also just so telling, like I was, it was 
last week, I think, where the Yankees were in town. And with the Toronto Blue Jays playing over at Salem Field, the Yankees were in town. And Paul O'Neill and the other play-by-play announcer were saying, like, how good the city smells, you know. And I wasn't watching the game. I'm a baseball fan, but being more from Illinois, I'm more of a Cubs fan, which nobody cares about here. But um, my neighbor was my neighbor was watching it. And then I had another, I had like four or five texts that came through. It's like, man, you guys are getting all this free marketing. They're talking about how good the city smells like cereal, like Cheerios. And they're doing shots of the, of the factory and everything. So when those types of things happen, um, it's kind of unique, right? Cause there's not a whole lot of manufacturing facilities that are more of a downtown met- metropolitan area like this. So the cereal ops manager and I, Brian Underwood and I ran some cases over there to Salem field the day afterwards because O'Neill and the other play-by-play gentleman said that um, Yellow Box, so the original Cheerios and Honey Nut Cheerios were the two favorites. So we took them some cases and said, hey, thanks for the, the free marketing. But like that, that goes into kind of your whole comment around being iconic. Those types of things don't always happen because in a lot of locations, um, the factories are in a more set off to the side type location. So I think that there's a little bit of um, you know, making sure that we're being good neighbors back to the mural and then um, acknowledging when we get some good press as well. So that's what the whole, that's what the whole case giveaway over to the, the Yankees play by play guys were. Well, uh, I'm a Yankees fan, so we'll let you slide on the Cubs okay. fandom. I was, uh, I'm a big baseball guy. So I was, I didn't get to hear that. I was watching from the uh, Seneca one tower. I got to take in a game. So that was oh, cool. pretty cool, but I missed the sound bite. So I'll have to go back and find that. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, I want to zoom out and talk about just Buffalo as a uh, business destination, uh, the the benefits that Buffalo presents. So I imagine you're shipping, you know, all across the country, your products. Um, How does our geographic location present a strength for your organization? Kind of the Midwest of the East Coast, as we like to call it. Yeah. And that is kind of interesting because like people, when we moved out here, being more from the Midwest, my friends were like, so is it like really East Coast? I'm like, no, this this feels very Midwest to me, which um, n- n- neither neither is right or wrong. But like being from the Midwest, I kind of have a little bit more propensity to that. But so to your question, Greg, so first, first of all, I think it's important to note that there's some strategic advantages to being in this location um, from how we can get our weed in, like being close to the river here. Um, there's also different rail and, and truck to an extent that we're able to utilize at this site. Um, but more specifically on the macro level that you were asking about, the benefit of being in, in this location is within 500 miles. I'm not going to quote the exact percentages, but there's large percentages of both Cana- the Canadian population and the U.S. population that we can service out of this facility. So you think about that, and that becomes very much a competitive advantage in terms of how we can service a more densely populated area. Um, yeah, I, I and, that's, and that's definitely something that I continue to play up when you think about um, from a corporation perspective too, right? Like, well, for servicing, you're using flour. Like I said, flour is being used in bakeries, and you think about New York City. There's a lot of pizzerias over there, right? So, like those types of things become pretty important when you think about how we're able to service customers out of this facility. Yeah, I believe it's um, at least last I knew of 40% of the Can-Am population within 
like a, a 500 miles or a 10 hour drive, something like that. Right. So it's, it's really incredible when you think about Chicago, New York, DC, Toronto, um, all being within such close proximity and, you know, it, there's not a, there's not a business that is maybe more applicable to than, than yours. Yeah. It's been, I think, um, all those things you mentioned become really important to, um, both, both what we're doing here and then the overall logistics network as well. So very, um, and then, yeah, with all that said, also, I think kind of, a you go back to that work ethic portion of things and there's some, there's some really good talent in this area as well, which, which plays into something that, you know, we got to continue to build on and we will continue to build on is um, getting good workers in here and being an employer of choice for the area. So I've been ending a lot of these conversations um, just macroscopically, you know, thinking about the last six months, the pandemic. So what makes you optimistic about our future here in Buffalo? So just in general for Buffalo, um, or for the, the site in particular? Both. That works. Both? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'd say, um, I'd say what I get from, I've got friends and relatives in different locations across the country. I think that what we've seen because of what happened in New York City, I believe, people have taken it really seriously out here, the pandemic. So I'm, I'm very bullish in terms of how we will continue to soldier through this. Um, from a plant perspective, who, who knows what the future looks like, right, Greg? But I'm, I am, I feel so, um, so fortunate to have the team that we have here and how seriously they've taken both what our mission is, which is making food the world loves and needs, and then also doing that safely, right? Like everybody that has been involved with this, um, they take it very, very seriously around what, what our charge is, but then we have to do it the right way as well. So whether we're in a pandemic or not, I'm, I've got a, I got a lot of, a lot of faith and a lot of optimism, both in Buffalo as a town and a region, Western New York as a region. And then for sure, from a plant perspective, I, I just, um, goes back to the whole people aspect of things and just having an opportunity to work with great people. That's what makes any job great. And that's what makes this one the same way. Well, we really appreciate your time today. Before I let you go, we always end on a couple hard-hitting blizzard round questions. The yeah. first is normally, if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? But with your job, we're going to switch it. If you were a cereal, what would you be? Cereal. See, I was going to give you like some type of sponge candy ice cream from, uh, but Lake Effect, they have that sponge candy ice cream, right? Like that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Or maybe it was Apollo's Donuts, one, either one of those. Um, so if I was a cereal, which one would I be? I uh, We've got Honey Nut Checks coming out of this facility, and I, I really like Honey Nut Checks. I don't know really what that says about me because of the tried and true is more of the this, the Cheerios, but I, I've, I really enjoy that one. So I'll go with Honey Nut Checks as my, um, as my go-to. All right, or gonna, the cereal that yeah. I would be, I guess. Right? We got an ice cream and a cereal. That's good. Um, a book or TV show that you'd recommend? A book or TV show that I would recommend. Um, so I've been. What have I been watching? I'm I'm a huge Office fan. 
Like I, I, I wouldn't say that I want to model my leadership style after, after Michael Scott, but <laughs> I do, I do. I like to use that as just a way to kind of check out, right? Like a good way to, it's not necessarily unplugging, but it's a good way to um, have a good laugh. And usually I've got my wife and I have three kids, five, four, and two, and it's, that's usually safe enough to watch even with the kids in the room. So I'm always going to, I'm always going to plug the office when given an opportunity. It's a great choice. Uh, text or phone call? Uh, phone call. You cannot choose the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Bills or Sabres? Bills. Good pick. Hiking or skiing? Skiing. And last question, most important as a new Buffalonian, chicken wings, drumstick or flat? Drumstick. Great pick. Thank you very and much. I know, and time. I know I got to say, I got to say, um, I got to say blue cheese, right? No ranch. That's the other thing. Yeah. Blue think. cheese is necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Make a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah. I will say the, the other thing that's been very unique to Buffalo is the, um, with a pizza, you got to order wings. I'm like, I've never seen that. I mean, it's, it's fitting for the town, right? But like, it's funny, like usually if I get a pizza, that's enough, but I've been going with the, the chicken finger pizza. So combining the best of both worlds. So that's a, a great choice. You're, you're picking it up fast, learning quick. <laughs> I think that, you know, I know this is what you asked. It's amazing how good the food is in Buffalo too. Like I, I think that my wife and I have both been very um, impressed. Like it's, I think it's an unsung, unsung hero when it comes to a, a food town. Yeah. I, I interview people that have recently relocated here all the time and the one common thread that everybody says is how amazing the food is. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, all the work you're doing uh, for the region and, and Western New York. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciated the opportunity to do this. And um, obviously General Mills loves Buffalo. So it's good to be out here. by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's privately funded, nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagara.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.